Dr. Gary Chapman, author of The Five Traits of a Healthy Family, shares, The family has been bombarded with influences ranging from the lure of bigger, better, more, to our culture's emphasis on personal happiness above all else. Young people farming families today often lack models for healthy relationships. We all have hopes and dreams, yet it's easy to become overwhelmed and discouraged. Strong, healthy families are possible and do exist, but they don't happen without meaningful effort. In Dr. Chapman's newest book, Five Traits of a Healthy Family, he shows us the way to a loving, stable family. With real-life illustrations, he shares five timeless characteristics that create a flourishing family environment. These traits include families who develop an attitude of service, husbands and wives who build intimate relationships, parents who guide their children, children who obey and honor their parents, and husbands and fathers who love, support, and lead. With so many distractions, real communication is getting harder. This new book is an important resource for all parents. Again, my guest is Dr. Gary Chapman. Dr. Chapman is an author, speaker, counselor, and he has a passion for people and for helping them form lasting relationships. He's the number one best-selling author of the Five Love Languages series and director of the Marriage and Family Life Consultants, Inc. Gary travels the world, presenting seminars, and his radio program airs on more than 400 stations. This is Kay Meyer, president of Family Shield Ministries, and your host for today's program. Thanks, Dr. Chapman, for being my guest today on Family Shield. Well, thank you, Kay. It's great to be with you. It's very good to have you. Thank you for all that you've done in the past, and I hope that this new book will be an even better blessing to more people. Well, thank you. I've been greatly encouraged by the way uh, that book, uh, The Five Love Languages, has impacted marriages yeah, all probably. over the world. All over the world. Right. Yeah, it's all over today. Oh, Everybody right. knows it, <laughs> but that's 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 yeah. a blessing. Yeah. But I but I do have a passion for this new book because Good. I believe that so many people, you know, have grown up in dysfunctional mm-hmm. families and they have no idea as to what a healthy family looks like. And so I'm trying to not only lay out what it looks like, but also Give them ideas on how they can learn to have a healthy family, even if they didn't grow up. Absolutely. And it is possible to do that, especially with the Lord's help and looking at God's word as as our guide. So, Dr. Chapman, you described the early years of your marriage as being miserable. How did you change things and what steps did you take to make a difference in your journey as a newly married man? Well, you know, uh, two weeks after we got married, I enrolled in seminary to study to be a pastor. And within that first year, I mean, I was wondering how in the world is this ever going to work? You know, because we were so different. I mean, when you're in love, you, you think you'll never have any disagreements. But we had all kinds of disagreements. And we argued because I didn't know how to solve conflicts. You know, I didn't think we were going to have any conflicts. Mm. And in my mind, she wouldn't listen to me, you know. <laughs> And I'm sure she felt the same way about me. Uh-huh. So, yeah, we had deep, deep struggles. But I tell you really what, what changed our, our marriage is really the first point of this book. 
and that is that in a healthy marriage, there will be an attitude of service. The husband serving the wife, she's serving him, they're serving the children. And here's, here's how it happened for me. Uh, I said to God, I don't know what else to do. I've done everything I know to do. It's not getting any better. In fact, it may be getting worse. And, and as soon as I said that, there came to my mind a visual image of Jesus on his knees washing the feet of his disciples. Mm-hmm. And I heard God say to me, that's the problem in your marriage. Mm-hmm. You do not have the attitude of Christ. Hit me like a ton of bricks because I remember what Jesus said when he stood up. He said, you call me leader, and you're right, but in my kingdom, this is the way you lead. The Mm. leader serves. Mm. And I knew that was not my attitude. You know, my attitude was something like, you know, if you'll just listen to me, we'll have a good marriage. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, Mm. I just said to God, forgive me. Mm. With all of my study in theology, I've missed the whole point. And I said, please give me the attitude of Christ. Mm. And in retrospect, it's the greatest prayer I ever prayed about my marriage because God changed my heart. Mm and gave me a desire to serve her. And, and Kay, three questions made it practical. Uh, when I was willing to ask these three questions, my marriage began to change. They're simple questions. First one is, honey, what can I do to help you? What can I do to help you? Number two, how can I make your life easier? Number three, how could I be a better husband? And when I was willing to ask those questions, she was willing to give me answers. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and I began to do those things. Oh. And it didn't turn around overnight. Yeah. But within three months, my wife started asking me those three questions. Oh. You know, what can I do to help you? How can I make your life easier? How can I be a better wife? And from that juncture on, we've been growing all through all these years. Because once you get that down, mm-hmm. an attitude of service, you know, both of you have that attitude toward each other. Uh, you're on the road to having the kind of marriage you wanted to have, which was loving, supportive, and caring. So I think in a healthy family, this happens between the husband and wife, but they also, you know, they're serving the children. They're teaching the children at appropriate ages how to serve each other, how to serve mom, how to serve dad. Then we actually take it outside the family as well. So, yeah, that's that's what happened in our marriage. That's a fantastic story. And so many people need to hear that because I was thinking my husband and I, we are so opposite. And uh, (laughs) for years we argued and fought. And then finally I realized the things that were his strengths are my weaknesses. We now (laughs) talk to each other about those issues. Uh, God God has a sense of humor too. Well, let's talk about the five traits that help create a healthy family, starting with work. Why is it important to establish a positive attitude about working for each other and with each other? Yeah, I think because, you know, the scriptures say, if a man will not work, he should not eat. Yep. (laughs) Now, that assumes a person can get work, you know. Uh, But I'd say to guys, if they don't have a job, man, go do something, volunteer, you know. Do something. Don't sit around the house, you know. Uh, Life is about serving. You know, Jesus said about himself, I did not come to be served. I came to serve and then to give my life a ransom for others. So, uh, you know, it's, I believe it's the central motif of the Christian lifestyle. We are here to invest our lives serving others. And I think when we learn to do that uh, in the family, and that should start in the family, then our kids grow up with that motif in their life. And it, it involves, as I said earlier, taking them outside the home to serve. I remember when our kids were... 10, 11, 12, along in there, uh, in the fall, after the leaves had all fallen off the trees, 
I would get them in the car. I have a son and a daughter. I'd get them in the car, put rakes in the back. We'd drive through the neighborhood looking for yards that had not been raked. Uh I would knock on the door and say, Hi, I'm Gary Chapman. We live down the street here. I'm trying to teach my children how to serve other people. And if you don't mind, we'd like to rake your leaves for you. (laughs) And they would say, Say what? (laughs) And I would repeat Uh my little speech. And they would say, oh, I'll pay you to rake my leaves. I've been trying to find someone to rake my leaves. I said, no, I don't want money. I'm trying to teach my children how to serve other people. And you know, Kay, I never had anyone who wouldn't let us rake their leaves. Mm-hmm. And the kids loved it. Mm-hmm. What they really loved was after you get them in a pile, you jump in the pile. Oh, yeah. You know? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, that's uh, fantastic. Yeah. And that service has to go beyond doing it in the home. It has to go into the community. Right. To others. But if it doesn't start in the home, yep. you're not likely to take it outside the home. That's true. Yeah. yeah. Wonderful. Wonderful story. Thank you. So you and your wife discovered that a key trait of a functional family is sharing, and you've touched on that already. Tell us the story that illustrates what your family did to demonstrate this quality trait to a young man who came to live in your home. Well, he was a college graduate and had moved to our city. He had finished the University of North Carolina. We live in North Carolina. And uh, he and three other buddies had spent the summer in our town. And uh, at the end of the summer, he'd been coming to our church. And at the end of the summer, he said, Gary, I grew up in a dysfunctional family. My father was an alcoholic, and he went on to describe it. And he said, I have never seen a healthy family. And I was just wondering if you would allow me to move in with you all and just live with you for a year and let me see a healthy family. And Kay, I said what every wise husband would say. Well, well, let me talk to Carolyn about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and I talked to Carolyn, and she, she kind of liked the idea. She said, you know, Gary, that might be good. And I said, but honey, we, we don't have any more bedrooms, you know. And she said, well, the basement's just open. We could put a wall down there and build a room. I said, well, yeah, we could. And I said, well, how about what do you think about the kids? She said, well, let's talk to the kids about it. So we talked to the kids, and they thought it was nice to have a big brother. Mm. So we prayed about it. And we agreed, and John moved in with us, and he was there for everything. He was actually a school teacher, but he had breakfast with us in the morning. And, of course, when school was out, he came home, and we were his home. And so uh, he saw it all. You know, he saw our time at breakfast time when we read a scripture and prayed with the kids. He saw us at night when we uh, had devotional time with the kids and then went to their bedside and prayed for them. He saw Carolyn and I interfacing, you know, and so forth. And, And I'm not saying we were a perfect family. Well, by this time, we were a healthy family. I was just glad John didn't come to live with us in the first you know, year or two of our marriage because he probably never would have gotten married if he'd, if he'd done that. <laughs> oh, but John looks back on it and says, you know, Gary, I don't know what my life would have been like if I had not spent that year with you and your family because he said it totally revolutionized my concept of how, what a family should be like. Mm. So, you know, I don't, I don't know that many people will ever be asked to do that but I do think we ought to have the kind of family that we would welcome somebody to look at us and observe us and let our family be a model for other people. That's what I think all of us should aspire to. Oh, that's wonderful. That's wonderful. Wow. So let's talk about the importance of husbands and wives who relate intimately. Define what true intimacy is and then tell us the five steps to intimacy. You know, yeah, I think Kay, many times when people hear the word intimacy, They think of the sexual part of marriage, but it's far, far more than that. 
you know, when God said about Adam and Eve, the two will become one flesh. It's a deep, deep intimacy. And so in having an intimate relationship, it means that we, we share life intellectually. You know, we have conversations about ideas and thoughts and dreams and all that sort of thing. And, and a lot of couples have lost intellectual intimacy because they would share a thought or an idea and the husband or wife would say, well, that won't work or that's not true. Or, you know, and they end up arguing you know, when they just share an idea or a concept. So they just stop sharing. And they don't have intellectual intimacy. They don't, they don't talk about things except logistics. You know, who's going to do this? Who's going to do that? So intellectual intimacy, emotional intimacy, deep, deep sharing of emotions with each other and seeking to meet each other's emotional need, uh, like the need for love, for example. And that's where the love language comes in. It helps you know how to communicate love in order to really meet their emotional need for love. Uh, so it's sharing emotions with each other. And then it's also sharing social intimacy. That is, the two of us do things with other people. Uh, you know, so much of our life is spent apart. Typically, one's working at home and other working, uh, and one's working somewhere else, or maybe one's working in the home, but we're apart for a good bit of the day. Well, let's just share what happened out there when we were out there with other people. But let's also do things together. And, of course, going to church is one of those things. It's a social event. You're going to interface with other people. But it could be going to a ball game or anything, something that they're interested in. So social intimacy. And then uh, spiritual intimacy. And, and I don't mean, Kay, you know, preaching to your spouse. I read this in the Bible this morning. You really need to hear this. You know? <laughs> I don't mean that. Mm-hmm. I mean you saying, honey, you know, this, let me share with you what I read this morning. It was so helpful to me, so meaningful to me. And, you you know, you share that with them. And, of course, you know, sharing, going to church together, standing there and singing together, worshiping together, that's a spiritual experience we're sharing with each other. And then, yes, there is physical intimacy. But physical intimacy is impacted by all the other areas of intimacy. And if we don't have intimacy in those other areas, we're likely not to have mutually satisfying, you know, sexual relationships. So in a healthy family, there will be this kind of intimacy. It involves all of life. So intimate that you could really say we have become one. And it doesn't mean that we lose our individuality, but it does mean we have this deep sense of intimacy with each other. In a healthy family, that's what the marriage looks like. Mm, That's fantastic. I want to just transition and make a few announcements, and then we'll come back, continue talking to Dr. Gary Chapman. Family Shield Ministries cares about families growing in Christ and equips them to witness to each other and to the world. The Family Shield radio program is aired on up to 50 stations throughout the United States, and our podcast is heard on many podcast platforms. Family Shield also coordinates other educational and evangelism services. This now includes Faith Family Reunion that serves parents with prodigals. Prodigals are adult children that grew up in the faith but have left the faith. Family Shield Ministries is a self-supporting and listener-funded ministry. We depend upon your prayers, support, generosity, and sacrifice to allow us to share the gospel with those who do not know Christ and equip Christians to serve and witness. Family Shield is self-governing and self-supporting. Please pray for us. 
mail a donation, or give a one-time gift or a monthly gift on our website, www.familyshieldministries.org. Now I want to continue talking with Dr. Gary Chapman about his new book, Five Traits of a Healthy Family. So another trait that you highlight in your book is parents that guide their children. What is your definition of creative teaching, and how can parents create a love for learning? You know, I think this is an area, of course, that as parents we have to work at. It doesn't come natural. Uh, you know, when we had children, I never read a book on parenting. I wish I had, but I hadn't in that I don't know. Maybe I don't know if there were books back then. <laughs> <You know? laughs> maybe, but I use the words teaching and training. We want to teach our children things at their age, you know, that they can understand. Not only spiritual things, certainly spiritual things, but also just things like how to make up a bed, you know, how to wash dishes, you know, and, and those kind of practical skills. But I say teaching and training. Training involves not just words. It involves actions. So you put the words and the actions together. And in our culture, parents tend to go to one extreme or the other. They either go to the extreme of explaining things to children. You know, the idea is if you explain it to them, now what you want them to do, they're intelligent and they'll do it. If you explain it to them, tell them why. But if those children don't do it, those parents explain it again a little higher. And eventually they end up yelling at their kids. Hmm. On the other side, there are parents that say, do it because I said do it. If you don't do it, they slap them on the bottom, you know, and those parents end up physically abusing their children. No, no, the two have to go together, words and actions. Uh, here's a simple illustration. The mother's fixing dinner. Little Johnny's playing in the yard next door. She goes to the front door and says, Johnny, dinner. And little Johnny keeps on playing. Mother goes back. She comes back in two or three minutes, says the same thing again. She comes back a third time and says the same thing. The fourth time, she says, Johnny, get home. And little Johnny comes home. Yeah. Why? Because he's learned that if he doesn't come home when Mama says, get home, Mother will come down there and take him by the hand and walk him home. And he doesn't want Mother in the neighborhood, mm -hmm. so he comes home. See, now, I say to parents, if you want to call your child four times for dinner, it's fine with me. But if you want them to come home on the first call, just put the action that you've been putting on number four on number one, and you won't walk them home but one time, mm -hmm. and they'll come. Mm -hmm. It's words and actions together that help children learn to follow the instructions we're giving them. So it makes sense to say that healthy rules need to be reasonable. What practical questions should parents consider when setting rules for their family? I think we should always ask the question, why? Why do we have this rule? And the rule should always be for the benefit of the child. What is this going to do for this child? And so if we do that, we're likely to have good rules. See, sometimes we just bring the rules that we had in our house growing up. For example, when I grew up and my wife, we grew up in homes where our parents said, we don't sing at the table. So when we, our kids came along, we told them, we don't sing at the table. We're going to eat, but we're not going to sing. And one day Carolyn said, you know, honey, why, why do we have that rule? I said, well, yeah, that's what my parents did. She said, well, that's what my parents did, but why, why would we not want them to sing at the table? <laughs> Neither one of us had a good answer. So, so we, just, we changed that rule. You know? 
and, and obviously don't sing when you got food in your mouth. But sure. you know, <laughs> just like we say, don't talk with food in your mouth. Sure, sure. But why? Why not? If a little kid wants to sing in the middle of the meal, let them sing. You uh-huh, know. Uh-huh. So I think uh, our, our our rules need to be thought through, and not just simply we've brought with us from our own childhood. But what's the benefit of this rule? Yeah. And unfortunately, so many parents today, the only thing they have as a model are parents that didn't necessarily have a wonderful family. And that's what they have, and that's what they bring to their marriage. So they need a book like yours and resources like yours that help them learn how to communicate and how to do all of these things. Yeah, that's what really motivated me to write this book. Because honestly, there are thousands of people out there who have now come to the age of marriage and they they don't have any idea how to solve conflicts without arguing and those kind of things. Mm -hmm. So another healthy trait is the gift of honor. What is the purpose of parents teaching their children to show honor and respect? And how soon should we begin teaching these traits? Well, you know, the scriptures make it very clear that children are to honor and obey their parents. And I think as parents, first of all, we have to recognize we are the authority in the home. You know, we're the one that decide what the rules are going to be, for example. Just like God is our father, he gave us rules. You know, he said, you know, here things, don't do these things. Here are things, do these things. And every rule that God laid down for us grew out of his love. If you want to have the best possible life in the world, just do what God said do and don't do what God said don't do. So as parents... You know, we are we are like human representatives of God, and we have the authority in the home. You know, three-year-olds are not supposed to be controlling homes. Mm-hmm. And so parents have to first have the concept, you know, we, we're the ones who are the authority. And, and oh, man, it doesn't mean we're, we're mean or bad. No, it's just that we're the one that, that has to make the rules and enforce the rules. So I think accepting that responsibility first, then teaching the child that whenever we have a rule, there's always consequences if we break the rule. And if the parents can decide what the consequences will be and tell the child when they tell them the rule, tell them the consequences, makes it much easier on everyone. For example, let's say you have a rule that we do not throw the ball inside the house. We throw it in the yard, but not in the house. And if you do, we have to put the ball in the trunk of the car for two days and you lose the privilege of using the ball. And if you break something, We'll have to pay for it out of your allowance. Okay, the child understands that. That makes sense. So when they do throw the ball in the house and break the rule, you don't go in there and scream at them and say, I told you not to throw the ball in the house. You know better than this. No. You simply go in and say, oh, Johnny or Mary, remember the rule? We don't throw the ball in the house. So what has to happen? And they start crying, nodding their head, and they say, put it in the car. (laughs) That's right. That's right. So let's walk out to the car put the ball in the trunk of the car, and you say, I don't know how much the vase will cost that was broken, but we'll have to take it out of your allowance. But listen, I'm proud of you because sometimes, most of the time, you don't break the rules. Mm-hmm. I love you so mm-hmm. much. And you, know, you just kind of wrap mm-hmm. it in love. Mm-hmm. And the child understands. Yes, I broke the rule. I'm suffering the consequences. That's the way children come to honor and respect their parents. You know, Kay, one of the things I'm hearing from school teachers in the public school They say to me, you know, Gary, I have to spend half my time just trying to keep order in the classroom so I can teach because they don't respect the teacher as being an authority. Well, if they didn't learn it in the home to respect the parents, 
they will not respect those whom they study with. So, yeah, yeah it's really, really important that it we teach is. children how to honor and respect parents. It really is, yes. So the idea of a husband being the leader of the family is often confusing and controversial for many women. What is a healthy, middle-of-the-road view of a husband leading his family, and how does a husband lead a functional family? Well, you know, I think the biblical picture is the picture we need to be concerned about. The Bible says the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church. And I think we've Sometimes we've grossly misunderstood that. I've heard husbands say, well, you know, I think what that means is the husband's like the president of the company, and she's the vice president. (laughs) Or he's the general and tells her what to do. No, 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 no. Jesus is the model. What did the head of the church do in leading the church? He died for the church. The husband is to be the leader in terms of serving his wife, willing to give his life to serve her. So it's servant leadership. I always say loving leader. Don't ever separate those two words. He's a loving leader. Love means he's looking out for the interest of his wife, interest of his kids. And so that kind of leader, I don't know that there are many wives who are going to walk away from that kind of leader who has that attitude and who demonstrates that toward her and toward the children. Uh, But I think if we misinterpret that and misapply that, Yes, there are going to be many wives that are going to say, well, I don't like this idea. He's the leader. He tells me what to do. (laughs) No, that's not the biblical concept. He's the leader who's there to serve you and to serve his children. He's to serve you like Christ served the church. And when we get that going right, we've got what God intended it to be. You bet. What else do you want our listeners to know about your book and how it can transform their families? Well, you know, what I suggest is that couples take this book and read a chapter a week, and at the end of the chapter, ask each other, what can we learn from that chapter? And I believe that as you work your way through the book, you're going to see your your marriage and your family beginning to change in certain ways as you discuss the different topics as you move along the way. And there are assignments in the book as well, things that can help you uh, do this. And there is with the book also a code where you go online and you can download a whole lot of other practical stuff in all of these areas. So my hope is that this book is going to help couples. Yes, those who grew up in families that were dysfunctional, it's going to help them get a different picture because we tend to repeat what we grew up in. If you don't learn something differently, you'll just end up repeating what your parents did. And I I think also it's going to help individuals who maybe grew up in healthy families, but it will help you pinpoint some of the things that need attention in building the kind of marriage and family that you'd like to have. So I just see it as really very much like the love language. It's a very, very practical book that can help you have what you really want to have, and that is a home where mom and dad love each other, care for each other, and are teaching the children how to develop the skills that will help them succeed as adults in their walk with God and their influence in the world. All right, wonderful. Again, my guest, Dr. Gary Chapman, his new book, Five Traits of a Healthy Family. I would definitely encourage all that are listening to get a copy of that book and read a chapter a week with your wife or husband and talk about it. Uh, This is Kay Meyer with Family Shield. Learn more about Family Shield on our website at www.familyshieldministries.org. Thanks for listening. 
You've been listening to Family Shield, a production of Family Shield Ministries. Its mission is to educate and equip people through the power of the gospel to know Christ, grow in His Word, and to strengthen individuals and their families. To learn how you can obtain resources or support the ministry, go to www.familyshieldministries.com or write Family Shield Ministries, 7045 Parkwood Street, St. Louis, Missouri, 63116. And tune in again next week for Family Shield. Family Shield.